Let's pray. Lord, we come into your presence today and there's just a, a joy and a celebration that takes hold of us because we realize that today we celebrate the risen Christ. And Lord, everything that means for us and for our world. And God, we pray now that as we, we think about what this means for us, each of us here, um, that you, Lord Jesus, you, the living one, the resurrected Lord, um, that you would speak powerfully into our lives, that every person here would recognize that they not only are in the presence of the living God, but that that God loves them and that that God is speaking to them and that God, that God wishes to know them. So Lord, uh, be with us and uh, do your work now, we pray. Amen. Well, I want to sp speak this morning about just decisive moments in life. And I'd love to know what you consider the most decisive moments of your life. But you know, those experiences were, where things happen and they're like turning points in our experience. The, our view of life changes, the direction of life changes. Uh, there are those experiences where we are never the same again. Never the same again. Uh, I don't know about you, and you have your own list, but what about getting married? That changes things, doesn't it, guys? Yeah, let's see the hands. Because all of a sudden, you're not just living for yourself anymore, guys and women, I get it. It's not like you're making your decisions just for you. All of a sudden, you're with this other person, you vowed your love and your commitment to them, and two become one, and all of a sudden, you're making decisions together, and you're doing things together. How are we going to spend our money? Where are we going to go on holidays? It's not just you, it's us. There's a new thing called us that needs taken into consideration. This decisive moment, turning point, uh, change time. What about when, when, you, when you have children? If you've had them, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't had them yet, you're going to figure it out. Indeed, God blesses you with that. But all of a sudden, you get this little thing, and, 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 and you know, they, they, they literally dominate your lives for decades. <laughs> decades. When they're little, you know, you give them your energy and they're tiring and you give up your sleep for them and you spend tons of money on them that normally you'd spend on yourself, right? Um, but, you know, you give them your love, right? And it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Well, I want to talk about a decisive moment today. I know the list could be long. But the decisive moment in a person's life when they encounter the living Jesus for the first time. Has that happened to you? Have you had that encounter? Have you had that decisive moment, the turning point? You experience him alive, present in your life, real. You know, again, upper, the upper story of the story, if you're new with us, we're going through this uh, chronological version of the Bible. That's different than the way the Bible is normally organized. Um, but we, we, we talk about the upper story, and that's God's story, God's overall sovereign plan, what his intention is from Eden and, and, and the beginning of Genesis all the way through the end of time in Revelation. And the upper story is this for Easter Sunday morning. God's in his glory. God's enthroned in heaven. He's executing his plan so that we all might come back into a relationship with him, every single one of us. Jesus has died for our sins on Good Friday, and here on Easter, the first Easter Sunday, God raises Jesus from the dead to be, and we've talked about it, our Savior, save us from our sins, our Lord, to be our King and to be our friend. All of those things. And he is ruling and he is reigning in this world, transforming it until it becomes exactly what he intends it to be. Um, that is the upper story of God. And this death of Jesus and this resurrection of Jesus are the, are the 
critical components of the plan. Now, the lower story is, for those of you, again, who aren't aware, that's our experience. It's the experience of people um, in Jesus' day who experienced the resurrection. It's our experience. And, and essentially, chapter 27, and, uh, you know, it's all about people discovering that Jesus is alive. People who forever would be changed. People whose thinking would change and hearts would change. They would just never be the same because they encountered Christ. What I want to ask this morning to every single one of us, have you had that Christ encounter? Very honestly, have you literally experienced the reality of the risen Jesus in your life? Because I'm telling you, if you have, you have been changed. And through their experience, we're going to look, about, look at what that looks like. The first story I'm going to read to you, and, and there are a bunch of them in here. I can't cover them all, of course. But we're going to look at the women uh, uh, on the first Easter Sunday morning who were going to the, to the tomb with burial spices to pre- prepare Jesus' body for a, a ultimate burial. Um, they are feeling like all the disciples of Jesus are feeling that day. Um, and I'm going to call what they experienced prior to the uh, Easter Sunday morning their Saturday experience versus their Sunday reality. I'm going to describe to you the reality of what it means to know and encounter Jesus. So their Saturday reality, there's a deep sadness in their hearts. One whom they loved has been crucified in a brutal manner. They're confused because all the things that Jesus said, and and now he's dead. Deep, deep disappointment because what they anticipated in the future has gone up in smoke as far as they're concerned. They are in despair even. They're a broken few people. And there's a hopelessness there. Um... You know, probably that going was more like a funeral procession than anything else. Understand their hearts. But I want you to listen to what happens to them as they arrive. 382 in the story. And uh, if you're reading in your Bibles, Mark chapter 1 and Matthew 27. Listen to this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? There was a violent earthquake for the, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. You know what I love about that, that uh, text or those texts is that little phrase, they were afraid yet filled with joy. Afraid likely because as the guards were terrified and fell down as if they were dead, they're looking at this angelic being, powerful, glorious. Yeah, they were afraid, but you know what? They were filled with joy because Jesus was alive. You know, their friend was not dead cruelty and evil that they had seen enacted upon him on the cross hadn't won the day. The Messiah had come from God. He had come, and here was the proof. 
God was not finished with their lives or with this world of theirs. And everything that Jesus had taught them was true. They had been forgiven of all their sin. It was gone. Jesus was the way to the Father. They were loved by a God <clears throat> whom they could call, <clears throat> excuse me, whom they could call Abba with tenderness and with affection. Faith was not about burdensome rules and regulations which would just weigh people down under the, under the weight of, of, of all of that. Faith was all about a relationship of love with God. And my friends, all of a sudden it dawned on them. They were encountering it. Death was not the end. Think about it. Death was not the end anymore in their reality and in their experience. They could live their lives with Jesus from this point forward. He would walk with them. He would be with them. He would help them no matter what might come. And my friends, when they added up all these things, when they just began, it began to dawn on them the reality of what was being said, they experienced pure and utter joy. Joy. And I want to tell you, that describes the Sunday reality. When we encounter the living Christ, our experience is one of joy. Because of all of I just, that I just described to you. You really encounter him and you realize, I am forgiven. You, really, you meet him and you encounter him and you know all of a sudden he is the way to the Father and I'm going there. And I am loved by a God and I can call him Abba. With tenderness and with affection. That cruelty and evil don't win, that death is not an end, that the Messiah has come on and on and on. My friends, I want to tell you, the hallmark of encountering Jesus is joy. And I want to know if you've experienced that. You know what, you know what we call, call it when joy is so real in us and, and because of Jesus' presence in our lives that it just keeps bubbling up from within us so that we can't contain it anymore? You know what you call that? You call it worship. Worship. When we come to that place, as these women did, they couldn't keep it inside. Now, the angel had told them what to do, but they ran to tell the other people, and it just poured out of them. We know, when we know this Lord Jesus, we come here on a Sunday morning, and we celebrate not only the Jesus story, but we celebrate the Jesus who is with us. Do you know he's here now by his Spirit, present to us, beside you, if not in you? <clears throat> so we encounter him and we praise him with song like we have done so beautifully today and we listen to his word and we get just ready out of faith to obey it. I want to tell you, it takes you from the Saturday experience to this Sunday reality. And I'm asking you, have, have you made the transition? Have you have gone from, from where you once were to that place where you've encountered Jesus and joy just bubbles up within you? So you're so thrilled with what the resurrection means for your life. You know, in the lives of some people, you know, we do encounter the Saturday experience. Sometimes over and over again, even believing people. You know, things happen, the challenges of relationships. Here, who, who here has had a relationship without hurt being part of it? You know, it, it happens. And then we have our work hassles and the challenges and the difficulties that arise there. We face illness and death in ourselves and in loved ones. We struggle financially, you know, on and on and on. And over and over and over again, we need to come into the presence of the living Jesus. And we need to be reminded that he is alive and we are not alone, that he is with us and that he is able to deal with whatever comes our way. And you know what that produces when we really take that truth to heart? It produces joy. This is what's to characterize our relationship with him. Second story I want to take you to, another decisive moment, uh, page 383. Let me read it to you. 
says this, Mary, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Um, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around, around and she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Aramaic Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to, my, to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Um, you know what's remarkable about that text? That Jesus knew Mary's name and she knew his voice. Jesus knew her name and she knew his voice. See, this moved her from her Saturday experience through her Sunday reality. Um, these two had a long history, including the, the, the day that this woman who was demonized had all those demons cast out of her, set free by the presence and the power and the love of Christ. He had blessed her. He had loved her. He had given her grace and a worth and a dignity that few people would have given. And his death had broken her heart. Because he's the one she had placed her hope in and her trust in. So when Jesus spoke her name, oh, she was moved from despair and hopelessness, from weeping to hope and to joy. You know, Jesus um, using her name speaks of something. And you know what it speaks of? It speaks of a deep, real, intimate, loving relationship. And her hearing his voice speak her name, her recognizing his voice speaks of a deep and intimate and loving relationship. They knew each other and they loved each other, cared deeply for one another. And I want to tell you, my friends, that we can have too. Um, you see, Jesus had healed her. Jesus had restored her. And as he had touched her life deeply so he can heal and restore us, anybody here needing healed, anybody needing restored, the living Christ can do it. I want to know every, I want every single person here to know this morning. And I want you to take this to heart and I want you to hear it as from him. He knows your name. He knows your circumstance. He knows your brokenness. He knows your struggles. He knows your sin. He knows your battle with evil. He knows all about you. And he loves you still. And he comes in his living presence to us this morning and he is ready to exercise his power and redeem our brokenness and to make us whole, to give us that dignity and that worth 
that we so long for in life to become everything that we can become. I want to tell you, my friends, he too can set us free from sin and evil because he is alive and he has proved his power over sin and evil. And he can come into our lives and exercise that power and bless us in such profound, a profound fashion that we are just left in awe, standing back, recognizing who he is, knowing that he loves us and loving him back. And I want to ask this morning, are you in such a relationship with Jesus? He is in such a relationship with you. He knows your name. Know he loves you. Know that he is present to you. Know that he is real. Third story. It's a little bit different, but I'm going to take you to the life of Peter um, and to his decisive moment with Jesus. I honestly think this is profound, and I hope you'll really engage it with me. Page 387. You know, I'm going to start reading uh, earlier than what I suggested, so I'm going to read to you without some text on screen for a little while, but this is the story of when Jesus engages Peter um, by the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. Um, and when we get to uh, the appropriate passage, we can, we can kick in and see it on the screen. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan of Galilee, and the sons of De- Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they all said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Do you know you can be with Jesus and you don't recognize his presence? Mary did it. These guys are doing it. He called out to them, friends, um, haven't you any fish? They answered, no. He said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, probably John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning uh, fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus had prepared to feed them. <laughs> Sound familiar? Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourselves and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands 
and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Um, how did Peter experience the risen Jesus, the one alive? Well, first of all, he experienced him in great blessing. He experienced the Lord Jesus exercising again his power and conducting this miracle, providing that huge haul of fish. He was blessed. But more than being blessed with the fish, Jesus was proving to him in a powerful way that he was present and that he was alive. I'm going to ask you this in all sincerity, especially those of you who claim faith in Jesus. Do you encounter him that way? Do you encounter Jesus coming to you and exercising his power so that you know he is present and so that you know he is real and powerful to you? See, the risen Christ will do that. That's part of the Sunday reality. And if you haven't encountered it, ask him to. <laughs> Discover it. But I think even more important than that is this interaction Jesus had with Peter. Three times Jesus asked him, do you love me? That's obviously because Peter had denied him three times. There's no question. And three times, um, Peter said, yes, you know that I love you. But the third time, it said that it really hurt him. It's like he was cut to the heart. Jesus, Peter knew what Jesus was about. He knew what he was refer referring to. Each time Peter said, yes, the Lord Jesus said, take care of my feet, sheep, feed my sheep, etc. Um, and then Jesus comes along with his statement. He, says that, he, says to, to, he said to Peter, a day will come when you will die for me, when your arms will be spread out, and you will give up your life for me, which is exactly what happened. You know, this experience of the Saturday experience for this versus the Sunday reality is a bit different for Peter. But first, think about the reality of Peter's Saturday experience before Jesus rose from the dead. He was the betrayer, right? He was the, he was the one who said, oh, I'll never betray you, Jesus, but he had. And I would suggest to you that his experience, his Saturday experience was one of was one of guilt and one of failure and one of defeat and one of remorse. But even here, having experienced the presence of Jesus twice, <laughs> he's called back to it. And Jesus asks him, do you love me? Three times, reminding him of his betrayal. <laughs> and he was there again. But something happened to this man. You see, this man, this Peter had been an outspoken and proud man, an arrogant man. They might betray you, but I never will, he said. Not only was, was he arrogant and he was proud, he was a self-willed individual. He felt he knew everything. He felt he knew what was right. He was a self-centered man who lived for his own purposes in the end. And if nothing else, his betrayal of Jesus showed who and what was his priority. That was himself, first and foremost. But something happened to this man that took him from being a betrayer to an ultimate martyr. 
Something happened to this man that took him from being a coward to being an incredibly courageous man. Something took hold in this man's life, something he experienced that took him from being a self-centered individual who lived ultimately for himself to being willing to lay down his life for Jesus. You see, Jesus is essentially saying here, Peter, you denied me three times to save your life. But a day's coming when you'll have that opportunity again, but you won't deny me again. You'll be faithful to me. You will, be, you will be faithful to our relationship and you will claim faith in me even though it costs you your life. And that's exactly what happened. Well, what was it that caused Peter to experience this? I want to tell you the story. Let me put this into the context of the story. The story tells us that God would do something, that God would act, <laughs> that he would do something remarkable and good and so that we would be changed. You know, we know the story, those of us who have been here, as we made our way through the Old Testament for what seemed like an eternity. But what we read about over and over and over again, generation after generation after generation of people in the Old Testament, was that they were unable to be faithful to the covenant of God that they had entered into. They just couldn't do it. God called the Israelites on more than one occasion a stiff-necked stiff and rebellious people. But he also promised that a day would come when he would change their hearts. He promised that a day would come when they would be changed at the depth of their being. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 28. Listen to this. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and your idols. You're going to move away from that. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remo remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. You hear it? Then things will be what we long for it to be. Can I suggest to you this morning that's exactly what happened to Peter? It would take this encounter with Jesus, and it would take Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, but that in the right time, in the right way, Peter entered into his Sunday reality because the Spirit of God changed his heart. <laughs> it, it, and it caused him to want to, to desire to do the things of God in his life, even to the point of losing his life. Also on that day that Peter met Jesus, Jesus gave him a mission. Feed my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter became the pastor along with James in the first church in Jerusalem for a long, long time. He gave his life prior to his death. He gave his life to Christ, to the things of God, to the things that God had called him to. He became passionate for the things of the, of the Lord, not fighting, not struggling, but desiring to serve Jesus with everything that was in him until the point that he literally died being faithful to Christ. You see the Sunday reality, my friends? And here's what it means for you. You too can be made new. 
we can have our heart of stone taken away and a new heart put within us. Um, a new spirit can be ours where we deeply desire the things of God, where we too can hear the call of God in our lives to give our lives entirely to his service, whatever that might be. We too can have a heart placed within us by the action of God's spirit to have a willingness to serve him with everything we are. That can move us from a lot of things, but certainly from a self-centered life to a God-centered life. It can move us from, li to, from living for ourselves and for our own purposes to living for Jesus and his purposes. I want to tell you the, the Sunday reality is that we too are called by God and our hearts can be changed as we encounter the living Christ so that this becomes the passion of our lives. We can be changed. You know, the New uh, Testament has a version of this reality spoken to us in a different way, and it's this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a pretty well-known verse. Therefore, if, any was, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Encounter Jesus and you will be changed. It is the decisive moment in our lives, my friends. <laughs> Peter, he was proud and outspoken and self-serving. I don't know where you're at and what you need, but whatever it is, Jesus will take you from that to something new. I'm here today to ask you a very, very simple question. I know for many of you the reality is, or the answer to the question is yes. But my question is, have you had that decisive moment in your life where you have encountered the risen Christ? I say this so often, I don't care whether you go to church. I don't even care what you say you believe because I think people say, oh, I believe in God and I believe. I care about whether you have encountered Jesus, the one who rose from the dead that first Easter Sunday the one who becomes present to us by his Holy Spirit, the one that we, we get into the presence of, and all of a sudden, and, and if I can say it, it characterizes life, and I'm, I'm wondering, does it characterize your life? You get into the presence of Jesus, and the result is joy bubbling up. <laughs> and the result is a relationship of deep intimacy and love because he knows your name and you hear his voice speaking into your life. It's an ongoing dialogue of love. And you've discovered that something's happened in here. That heart of stone that I once had, it's gone away. Now it's a heart of flesh. And I have a deep passion and desire not only to hear the voice of God, but to respond to it with my whole being, to lay down my life, to live for him, not for me anymore to pick up that calling that Jesus has given. And if you're his, you've got a calling. If you don't know it, you better figure it out. Another sermon. But to pick up that calling that Jesus has given specifically to you and to make it the focus and the priority and the passion of your existence. I'm here to tell you today, my friends, Jesus is alive and Jesus is real. And when you encounter him, you will be changed. How do you encounter him if you never have? Famous verse, John 1, 12, to as many as receive him, 
To them, he gave the right to become the children of God. Have you received Jesus into your life? It's, it's as simple as what it sounds like. You just say, Jesus, I want to receive you into my life. I welcome you in. I invite you in. And yeah, I pray that you'll forgive my sin because that needs done. And after that, all of a sudden, you're in the relationship with the present, living, powerful, loving, calling, forgiving Jesus. And you'll start to encounter him and you will know that you were his. So to those of you who can hear this discussion this morning and hear about the lower story of these people and compare it to your own lower story, if you're not encountering Christ in this way, open your life to him. Invite him in. Commit yourself to him. And he will come and you will encounter him in these ways. Comment to those folks who consider themselves believers, who, who believe and who very often have walked into this relationship with Jesus but haven't quite encountered him in this fashion. I just get, I don't want to sound judgmental. I just think there's so many followers of Jesus who haven't gone deeper in their relationship with him. It's almost like they're in a relationship but they keep him over there. My friends, we can walk closer into that relationship with him. We can get, we can get to that point <laughs> where we encounter him and we know his joy. We can get to that point where we all of a sudden are hearing him calling our name and we respond and we're experiencing him with deep joy. We can get to that point where, my goodness, <laughs> we've gone through the mill, but we come out the other end of it and our hearts are changed and we're just saying, Lord Jesus, let me know your mission because I'm going to live my life for it. Are you there? Are you there? Jesus came into this world as the critical component in the story. He died on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have a relationship with God. He died on the cross so that he could take care of the power of sin in your life also. I hope you realize that. So that sin and evil is no longer the dominant force that it once was. We can be set free, 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 forever we're free. And it's just an ongoing process of encountering the power of Christ setting us free from the power of sin and evil. I want to tell you, my friends, he died on the cross and he rose to new life that we might know him, that we might encounter him, that we might experience the reality of the living God on a day-to-day -day basis. So I say to those of you who have not entered into that relationship, do so. Get into it. Invite him in, receive him into your life with all sincerity. And to those of you who are in it, go deeper with him. Spend time with him. Let joy bubble up within you so that you're just going to run toward him in your homes to pick up that Bible and to pray and to be in communion with Christ. Let it bubble up so much so that you've got to be here on a Sunday morning because you know what? You've got to worship him. The living, resurrected, present, loving, powerful son of God. Jesus offers us something, you know. He rose for a purpose. Today, I hope you've heard, at least in part, what that purpose is. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we recognize that you're here today by your spirit, that you are alive, that you are real, that you are everything that these people encountered of you then, and you can be the same thing for us. God, I just want to pray blessing on these people gathered before you today. Lord Jesus, I just pray that they'll experience and encounter the reality of who you are. For people, Lord, who don't know you, that they'll just open up their lives to you, that they'll invite you in. For people who know you, Lord, that they'll go deeper in their relationship with you to encounter you in these ways. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this celebration that we have. We thank you that we have this reality where we come together and we can say together, Jesus is alive and worship you with love and with joy and with deep, deep commitment. Thank you for changing our hearts. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Lord, let us respond to you in each of these ways faith and and passion and commitment help us to know Lord Jesus your presence and your reality help us to know the Sunday reality these things we pray in your name